Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to Living Single with Yana Janae. Y'all, it is so good to be back with you. It's so good to be back behind this mic. And yeah, I know. I know that I told y'all that the podcast was going to be back in May and that didn't happen. And here we are. We're at the end of June. And so I just want to go ahead and say, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But thank you for your patience. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Thank you to my 15 Patreon subscribers who have just been hanging in the balance, waiting for the last couple of months for this podcast season to drop. And y'all be honest, like I've been a little particular about season two, been a little particular about season two. And part of it is because of what we're going to be talking about. Like we're going to be talking about sex, sexuality, and singleness. And my desire was to like, not just like get behind a mic and like start talking, you know, jibber jabber about you know, different things that like I've experienced around sex or things that I believe about sex. But like, I really wanted to take some time and like read some books and read the Bible, (laughs) you know, and talk to some trusted friends of mine, because I know that this is a conversation that it is really uncomfortable for some folks and that people have a lot of questions They have a lot of comments. They have a lot of concerns, uh, a lot of different opinions. I know that this is a conversation that has brought about a lot of hurt for people in the context of church. You know, we got purity culture. We've got the ways in which the church has treated those who are part of the LGBTQIA community. And so all those things considered, it was like, yo, I don't want to just be like jumping into the deep end and not taking a step back to sort of evaluate some of my my own thoughts about sex and sexuality and what that means for a single person. Or I don't want to just, you know, just start saying stuff kind of all willy-nilly without considering other people's perspectives and opinions. And I really wanted to consult, like, with some of my trusted friends who are counselors, who are pastors, who are lay ministers and have just been discipling people for a significant period of time. Like, because I also didn't want to just have like a theological conversation, right? Like I wanted to have a a practical conversation. Like how do I live out what the Bible prescribes for me in regards to sex and sexuality as, as a single person? Like, what does that actually look like? What does that feel like? And so my goal was like, yo, like, let's talk about this in an honest way. And let's also talk about it in a way where it's not just me coming from my perspective, but it's me interacting with other people's perspectives, inviting other people onto this podcast, some who agree and some who who disagree with me, you know, about these things. And so season one, right, like it was amazing. It was awesome. We talked about singleness and what it means to live single, what it means to not just be content in your singleness, but also to celebrate your singleness because the Bible calls it a gift, right? And so the goal was really to like unwrap that gift 
and to start to talk about like some of the lies that we can believe about singleness, some of the experiences that we can have around friendship and this this idea of this fear of missing out. And just even the, like the different kinds of emotions that we can have from grief and anger and envy and even, you know, to the point where we deny the fact that we have a desire, we can use that as a defense mechanism, right, to cope. And so that was really the goal. And so now we're going to be moving into what I would hope would be like a more practical conversation, a more necessary conversation, because for those of you who listened to the episode on the fear of missing out, me and Kenshiro had a conversation. And I remember Kenshiro saying like, yo, like sex is actually one of those things that I'm missing out on. Like, it's not a fear of missing out. Like it's, it's an actuality, right? It's something I'm actually missing out on because, you know, I believe that the Bible teaches that singles are to abstain from sex and that sex is one of those gifts that has been given to those who are married, not to those who are single. And yo, I remember just kind of thinking back on that conversation and even some of the other conversations I had with guests over the course of single or season one. And I was like, yo, like it feels like for me as a single person, it's, it feels like sex is that tree of the knowledge and good and evil that God placed in the garden for Adam and Eve, right? Here it is, God says, all of this is for you. All of this vegetation, all the food that that springs from these trees, like all of this is from you. Eat and enjoy as much of it as you want. However, this tree right here, this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, like don't eat for that tree. Like that tree is not good for you. And if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And as humans, like God has given us a lot of gifts that we can enjoy in this life, right? He's given us food, friendship, art, music, family, my favorites, tacos, burgers, fries, coffee, right? He's even given us the ability to have meaningful careers and meaningful lives, right? To be able to have an impact on others. And then most importantly, like he's given us him self, right? And he's like, yo, all of this, all of this you can have, all of it. But sex, that is reserved for marriage. Do not eat from that tree unless you have a wedding band on your finger or you have signed a marriage license. Like outside of this context, outside of the context of marriage, like that is not good for you. And you know, I think many of us, hear what the Bible has to say about sex. And we ask or ponder upon the same question that Eve pondered upon when she was tempted by the serpent to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like this question of like, yo, did God really say? Like, yo, did God really say that you can only have sex in the context of marriage? Like, did God really say that like, if you are, you know, going to be single for the rest of your life, that you are to abstain from marriage or, or to abstain from sex. And like, and, th- and then we're like, yo, but like, like how far does that go? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, okay, so I can't have sex with this person, but like, what about things like masturbation? What about things about like, you know, casual hookups? Like, what about those things? Are, are those things off the table as well? Or maybe you're like me and when you read Ephesians, right? Ephesians, man. 
Ephesians 5, 3. Ephesians starts out real good, right? Like, Paul is like, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, okay? Like, you've been adopted before the foundations of the world. You have been redeemed. You are loved. You are alive in Christ. You know, you've been raised with Christ and you are seated with him in the heavenly places. Like, it's just like a really warm hug. And then you like turn the corner to Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, and that and that joint gets real. And in Ephesians 5, 3, like Paul says, like, don't let there be even a hint of sexual morality among you. That's the way the, the NLT puts it. And so as a, a young believer, I was reading the NLT because it was the only version of the Bible that made sense to me. <laughs> and there, Paul says, don't let there be even a hint of sexual morality among you. And I remember literally stopping and being like excuse me say what not even a hint like yo bro like how is that even possible like is like Paul for real like I think this dude is tripping right now like he must be like on some hyperbole or something right now like there's no way that this is possible and I'm looking around and I'm like yo like Paul do you see this world that I live in like there's sexual misconduct and sexual immorality all around me like how am I supposed to live without a hint? And even though like I was like, quote unquote, technically a virgin, you know, there was, there was all kinds of stuff that I was doing even as a new baby Christian. You see, I was exposed to pornography at a young age. I have had a lifelong struggle with masturbation. And even though like I never really got into watching porn and that was more so because of parental restrictions <laughs> versus then like Yana's goodness. I did read a lot of books in which sex was at the center of the narrative. I was reading books at 16, 17, 18 that like I should not have been reading. And so reading these books brought forth such a vivid imagination that like I really didn't have a need for porn because I could create these scenes in my mind and even though like my parents were really strict and I didn't live in this digital age you know where porn was really accessible to me and all that kind of stuff I would do things like binge shows like ER now if you don't know what ER is just know that it's the original Grey's Anatomy and at that time, they couldn't do too much, you know, a national syndicated, you know, channel, but they did enough, right? And I would watch other shows that had some kind of romantic storyline and just about every song, you know, like everything that I was encountering had sex in it. So I'm like, yo, Paul, what are you talking about? Like, I'm never going to be able to watch TV <laughs> again, right? And I also had this tendency to do like casual hookups with guys. And so, yeah, I'm a virgin, but like I was very promiscuous with my lips and my parents were often like sending me away to like math and science camps. Yo, parents, watch out for those math and science camps. OK, those kids might be nerds, but they are still humans with, <laughs> you know, a sex drive and an interest and a curiosity in those things. And I was one of those kids, even though. Like, I can say, like, you know, I never I never had sex, like, and I don't want you to think that that's, like, really honorable, right? Because here's the thing. Sex was never on the table for me because I was scared of my parents and because I didn't want to get pregnant. 
it wasn't it wasn't about God. It wasn't about like doing the right thing. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm not trying to get in, in trouble with my parents in that way. And I don't want to have a baby and bring like all kinds of shame upon my family. And so I was just like, yo, anything that doesn't lead to sex is fair game. That was sort of my definition of sexual morality. And, you know, if I'm honest with y'all, I think a lot of us are creating our own definitions about what sexual immorality is and what it's not, right? And many of our definitions sort of are like mine. It's like, yo, how close can I get to the line without crossing over, right? But that's like silly because it's like asking how close can I get to the darkness without being in the dark, right? And that's not really like the question that people who are called children of the light should be asking, right? As Christians, we are called children of the light. And so we shouldn't be asking how close can we get to the dark without being in the dark. No, we should be pursuing, right, the light. But I think the reason why I was able to sort of come up with this personal definition, right, for sexual immorality, because nobody ever set me down to have the sex talk. Like nobody ever set me down to tell me what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. Like, you know, my mom knew that I was reading these books. My parents knew that I was masturbating quite regularly, but they never confronted me. Like they never set me down to talk about it. I think maybe they thought like, oh, it's just a phase, like she'll grow out of it. Or maybe it was just uncomfortable, you know, or somebody who was talking about it with me was my grandmother and she was letting me have it, you know, and sending me to hell while she was doing it. Not my my maternal grandmother, but my paternal grandmother. And then I also like y'all, like I went to, I went to Catholic school, right? So I went to Catholic school and so nobody was talking about sex there either. You know, we weren't taking sex ed. We were taking like church history, right? And we were learning about the famous monks and saints who opted to choose a life of celibacy. And that was essentially like the sex talk, like be like these monks, <laughs> be like these saints who have chosen a life of celibacy, be like them. And then there was youth group. I went to a very conservative holiness church where holiness was right, right? <laughs> and I literally think that my youth director's like job description was just to scare us from having sex, because I feel like that's that's always where the conversation ended, you know? The emphasis wasn't even on, like, don't have, don't do drugs. It was just like, yo, don't have sex. And I can't tell you how many times they scared us with those Left Behind mu- movies. Like, we would watch them at least, like, once a month. <laughs> I don't think I'm exaggerating. Maybe a little bit. Maybe once a quarter. But we would watch them very often. They would end the time with a talk about holiness, telling us not to be like one of those girls who sleep with boys and, you know, gets pregnant. And as I've talked to other friends of mine, this seems to be their experience as well. Maybe they didn't watch like Left Behind all the time in youth group, but, you know, like sex was like this elephant in the room that nobody was talking about. Nobody was talking about it in their churches. Like their parents never sat down to talk with them about it. But you know where people were talking about it? Everywhere else, everywhere else, people were talking about sex. I remember in middle school, you know, listening to songs like I don't see nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. Right. Like, you know, I remember the first CD I bought. Right. Was Rock the Boat. 
Now, I'll be honest, I didn't know what Aaliyah was talking about. I, I don't know how I didn't know what she was talking about, but I didn't know that she was talking about. I mean, in the video, she was on a literal boat. So, I mean, what was I to think? You know, I'm just 16, 17 years old and, and live in a very strict conservative Christian household. And so everywhere else, everybody was talking about sex. And we were especially talking about sex with like other kids and and the truth is it's like none of us had a clue right like I remember having a conversation with one of my friends when we were about 12 and she was telling me about this experience that she had with her boyfriend and she's asking me if she like had sex or not y'all like it's it's comical now but like we were legit trying to like understand what sex was and nobody was telling us or giving us a definite like answer on that and so this podcast episode is just, it's for all the kids like me. <laughs> it's for all the kids like me who never, whose parents never set them down to have a conversation about sex. Because I feel like we need to have a conversation about sex where we define it, where we put some, some definitions and give some clarity to what it is. And so, and I think this is important because before we jump into a conversation about sex, sexuality, and singleness, and before we talk about, you know, how I'm persuaded and maybe how other people are persuaded in terms of what the Bible says about these topics, I think we need to have the sex talk. I think we need to define it and gain clarity on what it is. Because the truth is, like I said before, we all are kind of running around with our own definitions about what sex is and what it isn't and what sexual immorality is and what it isn't. And I think we need sort of this commonplace knowledge and I'll tell you this, like I've been in ministry for 15 years and had the pleasure of working with college students for seven of those years, like just full stop, just doing college ministry. And I cannot tell you how much confusion there is around what sex is and what there isn't, what it isn't. For example, I was discipling a college student a few years back. And she was falling in and out of having sex with her boyfriend. And it was something that she had asked me to hold her accountable in because she wanted to honor the Lord in that area of her life. And so week after week, you know, we would meet, we would get in the word, we would swap prayer requests, talk life, hang out, all that kind of thing, all those kinds of things. And every now and again, I would ask her how things were going with her boyfriend. Now, I didn't want to make that the focal point of our time together. And the reason why I didn't want to make it the focal point of our time together, because I wanted her to know that she is more than her sexuality. And I know that there have been times where, you know, when I was being discipled and I was struggling in the area of purity, that my disciple or the woman who was discipling me, like she was like every week, like, how you doing in the area? How you doing in the area? To the point where I was like, yo, like I can't breathe. <laughs> right. And so, I didn't want to make it the focal point of it, but I'll ask her about it every now and again. And she would just say, you know, things are going good. You know, we're keeping to our boundaries, X, Y, and Z. But then there was one particular day where she was like, yo, we were at church and we were listening to the sermon and we were just feeling really convicted because we've been cuddling a lot. And I was like, oh, ain't nothing wrong with cuddling. <laughs> but I'm glad that y'all are like really trying to honor the Lord and honor one another and that y'all try not to put yourself in situations that, you know, would likely take you further than you want. Like I was really like, yo, like they are really doing good. But then she kept talking about cuddling in a way where it was like, yo, they must be doing more than like 
cuddling. And so I asked this, I said, so like, when you say cuddling, what do you mean? First rule of discipleship, <laughs> define your terms, right? So I was like, when you say cuddling, what do you mean? And from there, she explained to me all the different things that they were doing. Essentially, y'all, they had came up with their own definition of what sexual immorality was. And so their rule was, as long as they don't allow themselves to have an orgasm, they aren't sinning. That was the rule that they had come to. I don't want to, I'm not using that example to be crude in, you know, or sharing this story in any way to be crude, but rather to point out that we need to define sex and that we need to define it clearly because we can essentially like play ourselves by creating all these kinds of loopholes and these loopholes that make us feel as though we're not doing the wrong thing. You know, like I've even had conversations with people about sexual morality where they say like, oh, well, it's not about having sex outside of marriage. That's not sexual morality. Sexual morality is the intent behind the reasons why you have sex. If you're having sex with the heart to use a person, then that's sexual morality. And I'm like, yeah, that is sexual morality. It's that plus having it outside of the context of marriage, though. It's not just one or the other. And so I just think we are creating all of these these different kinds of definitions because we're trying to create loopholes for ourselves. And y'all, like, I can say that because I, I am the queen of creating loopholes, right? I created my own loopholes. And mine was that anything that doesn't result in pregnancy is not a sin, right? And so I'm sure that you have your own loopholes, that there are some ways that you've redefined sex and sexual immorality to make space for you to satisfy yourself and even explore your sexual desires. And so because of that, I want to take a moment before we jump into a further conversation about sex and define it, like let's define it. And so y'all, I went to Wikipedia on this one. Emphasis on Wikipedia. I did not go to Google because I felt like it would be really dangerous <laughs> to type into the Google search bar, what is sex? I was like, yo, I don't know what kind of pictures would have come up. And I just didn't want the algorithm to think that I was like trying to look for stuff that I wasn't trying to look for. So I went to Wikipedia and I put in the Google search or in the Wikipedia search bar, sex. And then I soon realized that that wasn't the right word because <laughs> then we started getting a conversation about chromosomes and, and those kinds of things. And so, and so then I was like, okay, sexual intercourse. So I typed in sexual intercourse. Now I'm not recommending any of you to go home and do this. There were still some, some graphic photos on there as well. And so just imagine me like trying to read with my left eye open and my, my right eye closed, <laughs> right? Like, like real talk. That's what I was trying to do. But here's the thing that I found on Wikipedia, that even though Wikipedia lists out just about every kind of sexual intercourse that a person can have, it also accounts for the fact that people create loopholes. So they, don't, they still don't give you like a definite answer, right, about what sex is and what it isn't. And I'll be honest with y'all, like, that was really frustrating for me. I was like, yo, like, I know we live in the age of relativism, but, like, I can't even, like, go online and get, like, a clinical research-based, like, definition of sex. Like, come on, come on. 
Like when your doctor asks you, have you been sexually active? Like, I think we need to know what our doctor means when we ask, when she act, when he or she asks that question so that we can answer that question correctly, right? But even on there, there were kind of these arbitrary options, right, for what sex, how a person could define sex. And it just really accounted for the fact that people can create loopholes. And it was very honest about that. For example, they mentioned that most people primarily view sex as penetration involving male and female genitalia. But they would exclude things like oral sex or fingering or anal sex from their definition of sex. And I'm like, housewife? <laughs> like, like, all those things have sex on the on the end of it. Like, you know, like there's an adjective, you know, or adverb, you know, and then there's a noun. Like, what what are we doing here? But they would say that people would exclude exclude things like oral sex from their definition of sex. And and I believe it. I believe it because I did it and I've had conversations with other people who have been in the same place. And so even the internet is accounting for our discrepancies when it comes to how we define sex. But for our purposes, (laughs) for the purpose of this podcast, I want you to know what I mean when I say sex. And it's this, but when I say sex, and I think this is even what your doctor means when they are asking you about your sexual activity is like, are you having sex that involves penetration involving male um, and female genitalia? Are you having oral sex? Are you having anal sex? Fingering is involved in that. And then we also have to account for the kinds of sex that uh, people who are same-sex attracted may have and even wikipedia in their definition includes grinding with or without clothes on they include that in the context of sex what i realize is that you know for many of us our definition of sex might be way narrower narrower than it needs to be that it might need to expand you know a little bit and that that probably is a more a more honest definition of sex but i think you know when we reflect on scripture we reflect on jesus's words in matthew his sermon on the plane jesus tells us and reveals to us that sex is not just something that we do with our bodies it's not just something that we do with our bodies but that it's something that we do with our hearts he says like yo like You know, you've once heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say that anyone who lusts after a woman in his own heart, you know, has committed uh, sexual immorality. Jesus raises the bar beyond what we do with our bodies, right? So we go back to this analogy of like, you know, uh, we are children of the light, right? And so as children of the light, we shouldn't be trying to get as close to the darkness without being in it but that we should be pursuing the light. And Jesus is saying like, yo, like pursuing the light is not lusting after your brother or your sister in your own heart. And so now it's about what I'm thinking. Now it's about what I'm feeling. You know, I'm like now it's in, it, like my heart and my motive. It's not just about what I do with my body. And I think that some of the things that we need to remember when we have this conversation about sex is that oftentimes 
we are people are having sex with image bearers, right? People who are created in the image of God and that God created them. He created us in a particular way for a particular reason, right? Like creation is both creation in its content, but then also, you know, and in its structure, but also in its purpose and its intention, right? And so God has created us in a particular way for a particular reason. And it it's not just, you know, our hands and our feet and our knees and our toes. Like it's also the intent in which we were created. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, where, you know, Paul says like, yo, your body was not created for sexual morality, but your body was created for the Lord. He was like, yo, food is for the stomach. And stomach is for the food, but your body is not for sexual morality. Your body is for the Lord. And so in all of this, we realize like that even in our conversation about sexual immorality and about sex, it's not just about what we do with our bodies, but it's about what's going on in our heart and whether our hearts are directed Godward or if our hearts are directed towards ourselves. And so as I bring this episode to a close, I really want to give you an opportunity to really ask yourself like the question of like, yo, like how are you defining sex? And are you getting this definition from yourself? Are you getting this definition from your homeboy or your homegirl? Like where's this definition coming from? And are you really being honest with yourself? Like, or have you created some loopholes, right? And then I want you to consider Christ's definition of sexual morality which is lusting after someone in your heart, looking and meditating on their body and considering how you might make use of it. Like that's where sexual morality starts. And so that wraps up this episode, Sexual Education One-on-One. I hope that you will join me for the talk back, uh, which will be happening next week. Today is the 22nd. And we'll be having this conversation on next week, Thursday. And yes, I am grabbing my phone right now, installing to try to figure out what that date is. Wait for it, wait for it. It's going to be on the 30th. We'll, June 30th, we're going to have our talk back that corresponds with this episode. And so I hope you will join me. I hope you will bring your questions. And just remember that those talkbacks are only available for Patreon subscribers. And so if you're not a part of my Patreon fam, I want to invite you right now to join us for $10 a month. You can be a part of these bi-weekly talkback sessions where we just go a little bit deeper into the conversation that happened in the previous podcast episode and it gives us an opportunity to dialogue and really start a movement and create community with one another and so y'all thank y'all for joining me for episode one of season two we back in here let's go and as always i pray that this episode has been edifying for you i pray that it's been clarifying (laughs) for you and also that it's been god glorifying can't wait to either see y'all in the talk back or get back with you in a couple of weeks god bless